And in six months, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph on the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greedily troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, Wheeler family. Um, yeah, let's give them a little round of applause as um, they go. And so uh, a, few, a few differences again this week. Um, we're not going to explain the Advent offering um, every week in as much detail. If you have any questions, come and look, look, let us know. Um, but again, a, a lot going on. And each week we will have a different family come up and, and share as we walk along in this theme. And I just want to encourage us um, to, to really slow down. Okay, This is a, a season that we can all just get going and like, wow, how did we get here? It's all re- re- ready time to take down the tree, take down the lights. You know, what just happened? pay off our debt, you know, do all these things, and how did we get here? And, and this is a time, again, a season that historically is, is really a gift from God for us to pause and, and to remember and to consider. So again, each week we'll walk through a different theme, um, hope, uh, hope, joy, peace, and love. And so, um, again, this, this week, considering hope, and, and that's really what we'll be, we'll be looking at um, I'm going to ask you now, go ahead and just turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to get into our time here pretty quickly to Luke chapter 1, as we just read. That's where we'll be this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, will you uh, hold your hand up high and keep it up? And somebody will get you a Bible. So again, hold it up, keep it up. Um, También si necesitas la Biblia en español, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, uh, eso es nos regalo a usted. Okay, this is a gift to you. If you don't own a Bible, you do now. Okay, keep this one and, um, and follow along with us. Again, even as I read through this morning, follow along, take notes, underline stuff. Um, this is the word of the Lord. Again, we stand as we read and, and we come before him and we're told the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. And so I'm excited. To, to see how God will work in us and grow us even throughout this Advent season. Okay, so let me go ahead and pray for us now as we turn there and prepare to, to, to come before uh, God and his word. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this morning, for this time to, to be together. Um, 
Lord, this is a time where we can um, try to make ourselves be grateful, be thankful. And um, for, for some of us, this, these holiday seasons, are, are we, we feel like anything but that. Um, we're reminded of loved ones lost, and we're reminded of brokenness, and of things we don't have, and of things we, we long for, things we've lost. Or, or, um, all, and, and, and yet there is also joy, and there are memories, and all kinds of different things. And sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we don't know what to do with it all. And so, Lord, I, I pray that, that throughout this day today and throughout the next um, Lord, five weeks as we work up in anticipation um, and we celebrate the birth of Jesus, I pray that you will shape us, that you will make sense of what we can't make sense of on our own. And um, uh, Lord, we thank you and we're expectant for this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, so the, the season that we're in, again, the theme this week that we'll be in throughout the Advent season is called, is called Framework, the Unexpected Story of Advent. And, um, and so, so uh, I don't know if this was already said, but a number of people put in a lot of hard, hard work that I just want to acknowledge, you know, building this whole thing, the set and the different things to help Im- awaken our, our senses and our Im- imagination. And, um, and, and the, the theme, this theme of framework is because there's always a backdrop, right? There's always a context that a story is developed uh, within. And, and as we enter into this um, Christmas um, Christmas season. Sorry to play with my mic a little bit here. I'm new to this whole diva pastor thing of wearing the, you know, Garth Brooks, Britney Spears mic. So, um, you know, dear, you guys can grow alongside me as I, I learn this thing out. You guys probably saw Matt help me out there earlier during the, the time. So I just wanted to get that out there if anyone else like, what's going on? Why is he being so weird? A, that's just me, you guys who know me, and B, uh, we're growing and we're learning. So this season, right, backdrop, unexpected story, it's because we can grow really numb and really accustomed to, to, uh, to, to this Christmas season. And we sing songs, God among us, God born as a baby in a manger and uh, born of a virgin and all these things. And we just say it and sing it and think about it. But it rarely connects to our everyday lives because we just have grown really accustomed to it. And in fact, when talking about you know, Christmas, we're like, oh yeah, that's normal, that's the story. But that's not the real life that we live in today. We would, if all this stuff transpired and unfolded, we'd be like, that's weird. Of course God doesn't do that. Of course this stuff doesn't happen. That's not the way things happen um, now, nowadays, right? And yet, we, be, again, we don't, we don't take our cues from what God has historically done because we, we just kind of disconnect and we grow numb to it then, and don't see how it connects to now. And yet the story of God historically, 2,000 years ago at the coming of Jesus, the first coming of Jesus, and thousands of years before that as God built up and, and built the backdrop, built the framework for the first coming of Jesus, and fast forward now 2,000 years to today, it's the same God working in the same kinds of ways, unexpected ways. And so this week, what we're going to be looking at is we're looking at the life of Mary, Jesus' mother. Okay, just now again, don't let these things grow so numb and so normal to us. Okay, God in the flesh, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God coming and being born, the creator choosing to be created and born. Okay, choosing to be born through a woman. Okay, this isn't normal. Okay, we should be pulling away this just normal, oh yeah, I get it, no, okay? 
this is crazy stuff here, chose to come into the world through an unmarried, poor, pregnant woman. Again, fast forward to our day. Like, are, is that the, 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 the likely candidate in our world today? Like, unmarried, pregnant, poor women. Is that who we're like? Yeah, that's the obvious candidate for God Almighty to work in magnificent ways. No. And, and the same was true for them. This wasn't normal, okay? Unmarried, pregnant, and poor women were right at the top of the list of the most marginalized and oppressed and overlooked and ostracized in their society. Very similar to our day today. Wondering, well, where do I fit in? What are people thinking about me? What is, what it, you know, how do, I, how do I fit into this? I have nothing to give, nothing to offer. All these questions and struggles and hardships and concerns. And yet this is the way God often works through the marginalized. In unexpected ways, he reveals his glory and his might and his power in ways that we wouldn't. Okay, that we wouldn't think. And um, let me read to us a quote that I just read this week from a pastor, um, Brian Zan, who, um, who, who kind of gives some insight into ways that we need to help ourselves more rightly read the Bible, the whole story of God. Here's what he says. Imagine a history of colonial America written by Cherokee Indians and African slaves. That would be a different way of telling the story. And that's what the Bible does. It's the story of Egypt told by the slaves. The story of Babylon told by the exiles. The story of Rome told by the occupied. I just need to read the Bible standing on my head. I need to change my perspective. If I can accept, hear me now, if I can accept that the Bible is trying to lift up those who are unlike me, then perhaps I can read the Bible right Okay, this is not a shame like, oh, we can't read the Bible, so I, oh, so sorry, I'm affluent or relatively affluent, so I can't understand the Bible or anything like that. Is that, no, that's not what we're saying, okay, this isn't a time to shame, to feel guilty, to, okay, as we again anticipate this Christmas season, but it is this, okay, hear me. Okay, it is this. We need to recognize the, the difficulties we have in light of our, 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 our culture. And one of them is it's not easy for us, most of us in this room, to understand looking through the lens of an unmarried, poor, pregnant young woman. Okay, that's just, for a lot of us, that's not, it's harder for us to, to get in that and to think, yeah, what would this perspective look? So when we read about Mary's mom, or about Jesus' mom, Mary, Right, we just go on read. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mary. But no, God wrote this in such a way that it should be jarring, just like it was for the original audience. And and so, so again, this whole this whole point is for us to at least acknowledge um, what we need, what we don't know, to be humbled, to be grateful for what we have, for what God has given us, and to and to and to pray that God will give us insight and and to understand how He worked two thousand years ago, in order to more appropriately understand how He's working right now today. So now through the, okay, like standing on our heads, if you will, or, or looking through clearer lenses, let's again read about um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, unmarried, pregnant, and poor. Picking up in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. 
And the virgin's name was Mary. Again, that, that word is used a few times to emphasize here, okay? Remember, okay, this is, a, this is a, a, a vir- an unmarried um, virgin woman named Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So, so betrothed means you're engaged. And this is a little different from our day, okay? Because some of you guys... I have been engaged before. You have friends who are engaged. You ask when they're going to get married. Oh, I don't know. Well, how, you know, how long have you been engaged? Six years. You know, it's just, and you're like, what does that even mean? Are you truly engaged? Or what, I mean, what does that even look like? Are you really, you know, and that's kind of our culture in this day. It's very flippant. We have a very non-committal culture and also a very accepting culture, right? So you can be engaged. You can, you know, shack up together, do your thing, figure it out. No one's judging. No one's really questioning anything, you know. Um, but, but just, again, this is not to shame any of us, but to understand the culture that we're in here again. Okay, she was betrothed to a man. This is a young teenage girl. And she's betrothed to a man, which is a legal engagement. Okay, so again, this is very different. This was, this was a, a planned coming together in marriage that could only be broken through a legal oversight. Okay, so a, like a divorce. So this isn't easy. This isn't like, oh, I'll just break up with him and pretend, you know, nothing ever happened. Or, well, you know, it's like when she finds out that she's pregnant, she's, she's dumbfounded. What am I going to do? I'm already betrothed to this man. And they, and they say who he is. And we're not going to talk a lot about Joseph here, but you see the integrity, that how he walks through it, but he still says, okay, I'll just go ahead and break up with her, divorce her, you know, quietly. Um, I'll try not to shame her. But she's at a place where she's like, my life is over right now. And yet the angel says to her, oh, favored one of God, right? Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying. This is like, no, 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 did you not just get my plight here? I'm poor, I'm young, I'm unmarried, and now I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant. Um, did you just send the text to the wrong person? You know, like, I don't know if you've ever gotten that. I've gotten a couple weird texts before from other people. You're like, I'm going to pull over the car right now and tell you this is not, you're not texting who you think you are. Stop texting me, okay, before it gets really awkward. Okay, she's like, this is like, you're, you must be confused here. You're not talking to the right person here. I'm not favored by God. Do you know my plight? And yet it continues on here. In verse 30, we see that he, he explains The angel said to her, no, no, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Okay, so what's weird just got weirder, right? She's like, wait, what? Like, now again, in, in our context, someone, God just says this, or this angel says this stuff. You're like, no, 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 that doesn't make any sense, all this. But here's the deal. He just made a promise to her, okay? What he just said, those verses 30 through 33, is an anticipated promise, Again, similar in our day, equivalent to the second coming of Jesus. Okay, this is like God's people for thousands of years have been waiting for the arrival of God the Son, for Jesus to come and show up on the scene, um, for, for, God, for the Messiah, the Savior, to come and to restore what has been broken. 
And this, so, so what he just said to her, those verses, um, she's known, but it's like, in, again, in the most unlikely way. No one expected a young, unmarried, pregnant woman or poor woman to become pregnant and then to become the mother of God, the son. But we, we can understand a little bit better um, 2 Samuel chapter 7, there's, there's a, a, a scripture there, a passage there. With, let me just kind of set the stage for a minute before we get there of what happened. Okay, so this is a thousand years before Jesus, all right? So, so a thousand years before Christmas, where we just go on, we celebrate, we sing songs, we do this. A thousand years before that, okay, was the kingdom of Israel, the one time in Israel's entire history as God's people that they had a kingdom, and, um, and that king David, who was called beloved of God, he was called a, the man after God's own heart, but he sinned terribly, all this different stuff, and he was at the end of his life, and he's coming to a time where he's considering, like, man, this, um, you know, all of God's promises to restore everything to it had been broken from the very beginning. God said, I won't let sin define my world. I won't let brokenness and all this stuff. I'm going to fix it. And so God's people anticipated, again, Advent anticipated his, his coming to fix this stuff. And then this kingdom is established. Um, a, a prophet named Samuel shows up on the scene. We'll, we'll talk about him in a minute. And um, this is all connecting the dots, okay? This is the backdrop of the story of Christmas, okay, that we're all in. So, 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 so then this prophet Samuel shows up to a man, a poor uh, shepherd boy named David, and then he tells him that he would be the king of Israel, and again, all kinds of miracles. No, 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 you got the wrong text, the wrong person, this is not, you got it all wrong here, I'm the youngest, God, okay, but again, are you guys following the theme here? God works in unexpected ways constantly. So then this King David shows up, and then he gets all cocky, right, like we often do. Oh, okay, God chose me. I must be great. I must be good. Um, I don't need to really trust him or follow him anymore. I can trust my own strength. No, he was also super good looking, so I can hook up with all these different women and have all these different kids and all this different stuff. And so his kingdom is, is vulnerable. He's coming to an end, and he finally repents and says, God, I have sinned against you. I've turned away from you. Is your kingdom in danger? Is, is your promise not going to be fulfilled after all because I let you down? King David is considering this before God. And then in 2 Samuel, you can turn with me there if you have your Bible, chapter 7, or follow along with me. This is a, a promise that through, um, the, a, a promise that God makes about his kingdom. It's not David's kingdom, it's God's kingdom. And here's what he says. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, that means when you die, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. How long? Forever. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. I, I just felt like the sandlot right there. Some of you say forever, right? Some of you guys know. But it's mentioned there like three times in three sentences there. Um, forever, your, his kingdom will go forever. Now here's this kind of newsflash, what happens here. So David is all kinds of craziness and then he gives birth to, or he doesn't give birth, okay, it's not that weird in the Bible here. Uh, he, 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 this crazy story happens, this woman Bathsheba, some of you guys may have heard about her, he sins with her, then she gives birth though to a son named, she was married to someone else, he gets her husband killed, crazy stuff, right? Soap opera stuff here. Again, God continues to work in spite of us. 
so often is the case. David finally is like, yeah, God's going to work through me. I've got it all figured out. And then he sins. He has this woman's husband killed. And then um, they actually lose a child. And then she gives birth to a son named Solomon. And he becomes the next king of Israel. And everything goes great for a while under his kingdom. And so you got to believe they're like, oh, yeah, okay, under Solomon, this, this forever kingdom's going to happen. But again, here's what happens. Spoiler alert, his kingdom comes crashing down. And the, the kingdom divides and separates and people get exiled, as we just read earlier. They get sent all over the world. They get captured by Babylon and go all over the place. And again, you're wondering, like, is God working? Just like many of us today. Where are you, God? You've left us. Your story has been hijacked. You're either not good or you're not powerful because I don't see that you're working in any kind of way. And that's what was going on, again, in a thousand years later. Mary, poor unmarried woman and her, her people, Israel, captive by Rome. Okay, one of the greatest empires the world has ever known, if not the greatest, ruling in all these ways. Okay, if, again, you expect God's, oh, I know what God's going to do. He's going to raise up someone from Rome, and they're going to, you know, that's going to be this kingdom. Or they're just like, this kingdom's not really coming. That's a joke, right? God's not going to do this thing forever. But, no, the angel tells Mary again, picking back up, in verse 32, he, he says, no, from your womb you will you will have a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. Forever. This is God's promise. Again, I mean, get ourselves in this context here. God's promise from a thousand years earlier, which was, which was made in light of promises from thousands of years before that, that God's people are still wondering, is God working? Is he powerful? Is he good? What's he doing? And just seeing little slivers all along and God working in unexpected ways. And then he goes on here and then he shows up through an angel to this young, poor, pregnant girl and says, you're, gonna, you're blessed. You're going to give birth to God the Son. And then he says in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Jesus will be conceived by the Spirit. God will, 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 will indwell her and will develop and, and establish um, himself, Jesus here, who so he can be born without sin. Unlike any of us here in this room, unlike you and unlike me, God born in the flesh but sinless, Okay, so one of us, 100% man, fully man, and yet 100% God. Okay, let us not grow numb and accustomed to this stuff. This is incredible. God working in profound, in universally great ways that we can't just sing and grow numb to, and yet in very unexpected ways. And Mary gets that, and I pray that we would get that too. And she's, she's blown away by this. And he goes on and he tells her other news that I don't want to spend too much time on, but he goes on and he says, um, he says uh, and she asks all these questions, well, how will this be, verse 34, how? Like, I'm a virgin. I've never lain with, it actually says, I've never lain with a man or I've never known a man. Okay, she's like, I know this stuff. I, there's no way I'm pregnant. God's like, no, I, I'm working in unexpected ways. 
And then verse 35, the, answer, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. That means set apart, the Son of God. And then he goes on, verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a, a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. So that, that little backdrop will again connect the dots here historically, but her cousin is, is, is walking through infertility, unable to have children. And I know we have a number of folks in our congregation who have walked through this or are walking through this now, and it's difficult and terrible and sad. In fact, I was, even as I was, I was on a run on Saturday morning and was thinking about the fact that um, it was 10 years ago this December that my wife and I found out after like five years of walking through infertility that she was pregnant and that we would actually be having triplets. And, and, and yeah, some of you laugh, I know. We, we laughed and cried as well. And... Um, and still do to this day. And, we, and I could give you the backstory there of God working in unexpected ways in multiple trips to the ER and multiple times of praying through the loss of children and then the potential loss of our, of our triplets and, and, and the very difficult birth, in which my wife is incredible for walking through and God's people coming around us and praying for us. And, and so similarly, again, to this day, so often in, the, in those difficult places of infertility or of, of, of singleness, single parenthood, I was raised by a single mom, and, and, and I know it's not easy. And, and I know you ask these questions just like this. Well, how? How can God be in this? How can God be working in my pain and my difficulty and and, and he just says, um, God, God, is, God is working. God is doing what um, is otherwise undoable. And, and, and she doesn't know what else to do. And then in verse um, 37 and 38, I, there's this incredible connection there. For nothing will be impossible with God. Just one sentence. And let me say this, okay, I, I didn't really plan this, but sometimes in the moment, in the moment of difficulty, in the moment of pain, in the moment of praying and crying and wondering, God, are you ever going to give us children? God, I've lost a child. God, my spouse just left me. God, I just lost a job. Now's not the right time. I was expecting a bonus, and it didn't come this year. I was, whatever it might be, okay, all different scale, all different types of these times, and, and that's usually not the moment to go right to, you know, well, God is working. Nothing is in possible with God and just in a trite dismissive way but but in a context in an environment in a backdrop in a framework where you just step back and you look and you see God God's working in impossible ways not just 2,000 years ago disconnected from 2016 okay but this every year this advent season is meant to bring this stuff to bear to life to reality in our everyday right now and to say that's right god is working nothing is impossible with god and what does mary do you've got to imagine the million of questions that are going through her head right now what's going to happen my husband's going to leave me my parents honestly in this time her pa parents would likely kill their daughter in this context if you were unmarried and pregnant especially a poor family. And what does she respond with in verse 38? Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Man, when you see God, when you step back and by his grace our eyes are opened, 
Okay, going way back to that, that, that quote I read earlier, when we kind of stand on our head, if, we, if you will, we stop trying to make sense of everything according to our terms and our understanding and our intellect, and we just see God is working in unexpected, profound ways. We see ourselves, and hear me, we see others more clearly. And so she departs and she goes and meets her cousin and this whole incredible interaction and the babies start like interacting with each other through the womb. It's kind of crazy and and fun and beautiful. But fast forward to verse 46. Mary does what probably we all do when we get some crazy news and we don't know what to do with it. She busts into a song, right? Do you guys do that? I know I do. So I'm going to actually sing for you right now. No, I'm not. I will spare you from that. But this is a very famous um, section. It's called the Magnificat. And it's called that because the first word is magnificent. It's not anything other than that. But the first word that she utters in, the, in that language is, specifically in Latin, is magnifies. Okay, the verb comes first. Magnify my soul does of the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. So Magnificat. If you've ever heard that, I'm just here to help. Okay, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so some of you guys might hear these things. Let's all prepare for the Magnificat. You're like, what does that word even mean? And I don't, you know, that, there it is. Magnify. And so she says this. I'm just going to read through it. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, All generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And that word name means like character, being, not just, but everything about him. He's holy, he's magnificent, he's set apart. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Let me just say there, again, guys, okay, look at me right now. This is, we have got, right now we are doing the hard work of digging into our own hearts, our own souls, our own Christmas seasons to remember this is not just, oh, that's 2,000 years ago, that's fable, that's story, that's, hit, that's just what we do right now. We, that's normal. We sing these songs and disengage our intellect and our emotions. No, this is Almighty God working among his people 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, today and tomorrow in miraculous, unexpected ways. Nothing is impossible with him. And Mary acknowledges that from generation to generation to generation to generation, ongoing. We got to see a little picture of that in the Wheeler family this morning. Generations of legacy, of God's working, and they could tell their story of God changing the legacy of, of, of Mark and Ginny's family and how God has, has brought them to know him and to, and to thrive. And, to, and then Paige talked about hope within their family, and you see that. And those of us from broken families and wondering, what is God doing? He's working from generation to generation. Nothing is impossible with him. God is good, and God is at work. Amen? And she continues on, verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. God is on the move. This, this Magnificat 
of Mary is, again, the original audience reading this, reading she's unlikely, she's unmarried and pregnant and poor. That's not how God works. And then reads through this and then would be, would be reminded, and we need to be reminded that about a thousand years before this, there's another similar little song that broke out that's called Hannah's Exaltus, all the way back in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Do you guys remember Samuel I talked about earlier? Again, this is all the framework, the backdrop. Let us, let, us, let us rejoice in this. Let us enter into this crazy way that God works in the framework that he's developing that even Samuel, okay, the prophet that God used to lead his people to establish his kingdom, the throne of David, right, the one through whom the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, God and man, ruling for all time, for all eternity, the throne that will have no end, the very hope for you and me, the reason for our lives, the reason for hope in this season, that whole thing. Well, this woman, Hannah, unable to give birth, asking God, what, what are your plans? What are your plans for my life? And how are they connected to your plans for your people and for your kingdom? I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. God, are you good? Are you powerful? Are you incompetent? What, where are you? And in her old age, she's told that she would give birth. And she sings this song in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Again, it's called the Exaltus. And, she, and, she, and I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to read through it or sing it for you. Um, but she just she goes through and, and she sings this song again of like, God, you work in really, really mysterious ways. And there are very similar connotations. And, and I want to encourage you in your own time to go and to read through both of them side by side and to see the similar language here of God working in unexpected ways. And guys, we need to help this land in our day today to help this inform how we view ourselves and how we view one another in the world that we live in. Specifically, Mary as an unmarried, pregnant, poor woman. You see similarly over in second, in, I'm sorry, in 1 Samuel chapter 2 when during this exultus, um, Hannah says something very similar to what Mary says, this is what Hannah says. I'll just read it for you. In verse 8, she says, He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heaps to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. In their day, just like in our day, the poor are marginalized. Where, where do I fit? I don't belong here. Guys, I want to be real with us. One of the things that breaks my heart the most, but also it shoves me to my knees, and not just me, many of us here, as we're a young, growing church, would people who don't look like the majority of us when they come here, would they say, do I belong here? Older people, okay, generational difference, People from different ethnic backgrounds and, and different socioeconomic backgrounds, the poor, would, when they show up here, would they say, I don't know, I don't really fit here, no one gets me, no one's like me. Or even worse, maybe saying, maybe God doesn't have anything for me. Maybe God's a God of, you know, more affluent, 
people that go to the U of A and, you know, have jobs that they work nine to five and can provide for their families and they're not slugging it out or just, you know, we don't understand one another in, the, in this in this context. And we'll, each week we'll get to look through a different lens of God working in unexpected ways to bring about his incredible gifts, to bring it, to, to move his story along, his, the true story of the entire world. And, and in this context, you see specifically the poor. Mary says the same thing in verse, um, in verse 52. A thousand years later, he has, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. That's the poor. And, and let me just tell you here, Hannah, a thousand years before Mary, and then Mary... A thousand years later, and then you and I, 2,000 years later, in our day, we think, yeah, God's working, God's on the move, God's doing big things. Oh, the poor, yeah, let's throw them a couple things on Thanksgiving and on Christmas. I don't know, though, if they should sit among us. Like, what if they should come to our redemption communities? What if they smell? What if, what if their kids misbehave? What if there's, you know, there's stuff I don't understand? What if I have to change a little bit about myself? I don't, and surely that's not who God's going to raise up and put in positions of leadership and authority. Oh man, what would we do with Mary, the mother of Jesus? This isn't just that was then, this is now. No, God always works in unexpected ways. I pray that this will inform us today. I pray that our Christmas season, our Advent season will, that we will be informed by this story, the true story of God and his working. In a time where we are so tempted to think, I'm, and this is kind of confessional time here, right there with Paige, of, uh, you know, my own heart as I'm praying through this stuff, as I'm writing up a Christmas list, any other, like, middle-aged people out there still write? Christmas lists. Um, my, I'm the baby, youngest of four, so it's always about me. I'm always. But seriously, though, as I'm considering Christmas or what I can give to my kids or considering whatever else it is, right? It's the next gift I get is going to establish me, is going to give me, is going to help me climb the ladder. All I need is some new clothes and all I need is a new car. All my kids need is some new clothes, is some new, is some new toys, is some new this, is some new that. I got to go to Black Friday. I got to get this. I got to get that. Because once I have these things, once I have more power, once I have more affluence, once I get there, once I get on on the other side of the train tracks, once whatever it is, then I'll be set. And no, what we need to do and pause in this moment is to stop and to look that God always works in unexpected ways. That God chose to come into the world at an unexpected time under Roman rule in an unexpected way, as we'll sing about here in a moment, born in a trough, an animal trough, a manger. Our nativity scenes are way too clean on our dinner tables and stuff. A stinky, poop-smelling, violent, we sing Silent Night and that's okay, but I don't know about you, I've seen a couple of births and they're usually not silent and pristine and, okay? God came into the world violently, a violent world, Roman rule, in a very unexpected way to a very unexpected person, an unmarried, pregnant, poor teenage girl. Born in a manger, Jesus, going to establish his throne by going to a tree, a cross. And yet he is the hope of the world. God, 
become flesh. God incarnate. God con carne. God in the flesh. God man. Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace, the one through whom and for whom all things were made, the one who is alone, the hope of the world, the good news, the gospel, the one through whom all things will be made new. Every tear will be wiped away, every, every infertility, every lost job, every broken relationship, every lost loved one, every question will be made clear in some form, through the person and work of Jesus, who we celebrate today and in this season. Amen? Let's pray together as we respond to Jesus. Lord, we do uh, thank you for your work. Lord, we confess that we, um, we don't get it. We don't have it all figured out. We don't know a lot. And I pray that we are in this day, in this moment right now, as we sit in your word, I pray that we are simultaneously encouraged and convicted. Lord, I pray that those of us who like that, that guy, that article that I re read earlier, Lord, I pray that we would recognize that sometimes we don't read the Bible and think it's about us, Lord, that we, that we really need to read about the exodus and your people going from Egypt into a foreign land and not just insert ourselves there, but say, in what ways are we Egypt? And in what ways are you sending the displaced to us? And what would it look like for us to be hospitable and to open our doors and to open our homes, to open our couches to people not like us, to the marginalized? Lord, specifically as we read about single, poor, poor women, well, mothers, what does it look like for us as a church to, to bring and carry the good news of Jesus? Lord, I pray that again you will open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to, to not just to be, to, to, to be good news and to give good things to others, Lord, but to learn ourselves that we are at a disadvantage in some ways by our, our places of privilege. So, Lord, would we not consider those things something to be grasped and held onto, but, Lord, would we see the gift that you've given us to give away freely as you have given freely to us, Lord, for your glory and our joy and the good of others. Thank you that you are a God who's established a framework and who works in incredibly unexpected ways. We see that most clearly in the person and the work of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.